Hi, I'm Pastor Roger Brown. God has gifted me the pleasure to pastor a dynamic, spirit-filled church called Life Changers Church International right here in Pittsburgh, Kansas. I believe God will use this sermon to impact your life and bring His greatness out of you. Man, I hope you get something out of this that will change your life. God bless you. Your time is very important, so I'm going to get right to the message. Have a wonderful day. Praise God. We're still on the uh, <clears throat> on the uh, Revival Rebirth series. The title of my message this morning, though, is I'm not waiting on my turn. <laughs> Have you ever been told, wait your turn? Wait your turn. Anybody ever been told that? Praise God. Wait your turn. Hang on. But I believe in the kingdom of God. God is moving in such a way. I think that the church is set back. They've been passive for too long. Amen. Amen. Praise God. We're supposed to be the force. Amen. Amen. Matter of fact, before Washington ever makes a bill or decision, they ought to ask the church first. Oh, come on. That's weak. That's the way it used to be. Before they ever passed the bill, they considered what would the church do? Will the church rise up? I think we've been passive for too long. They've been passing things for too long. They've been going over our heads, and the church has been sitting back just playing footsie with the enemy, and we ain't done nothing about it. But I'm telling you right now, I'm not waiting on my turn anymore. I'm going to do it. Come on, somebody. I'm going to shout whether you shout or not. I'm not going to come into this church and be the least person. I'm going to be the first shouter. I'm going to be the first. Come on, somebody. I'm going to be excited about who I'm serving. Hallelujah. I'm going to be excited about it. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm going to be excited. Hey, can y'all say that like you really mean it? Say, I'm going to be excited. All right. How about them Sooners? <laughs> if you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 32. Verse 39, and stand to your feet for the reading and the reverence of the word of God. Hey, if you got your smartphone, amen, go ahead and just get on Facebook and just share this video. Even, even though you're going to think, I don't know what he's going to say. Just do it by faith. <laughs> amen. Don't be scared. Deuteronomy 32, verse number 39. Deuteronomy 32 and 39. When Paulie gets it, we're all going to say Amen. Amen. Praise God. The Bible says, Now see that I, even I, am he. And there is no God besides me. I kill. Uh-oh. You mean God's going to kill? What? I kill, I make alive, I wound, and I heal. See, some of y'all are going through stuff right now, and you're thinking, that lying devil. <laughs> and God's sitting up for a second, mm-hmm. <laughs> well, the devil's doing this to me. God said, mm-hmm. Come on, somebody. I'm going to preach whether y'all like it or not. <laughs> See that I am 
See that I, even I, am he, and there is no God besides me. I kill and I make alive, I wound and I heal. There is no, there, nor is there any who can deliver from my hand. Father, we come to you today and we thank you, Lord, for this, for this privileged time as we walk into this house today. God, that you're going to move mountains out of our way. Heavenly Father, Lord, you're going to preserve us. You're going to keep us. Heavenly Father, and we give you praise that when they walk out of this place today, Heavenly Father, they have known that you are in the house. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. You may be seated. Over in Luke chapter 2. The Bible talks about when Jesus come into Capernaum and actually when he come into Capernaum for the first time, there were some healings that took place. So he comes in to Capernaum for the second time and when all the people had seen that the healings had took place, the Bible says that in the King James Version, and when Jesus came into Capernaum, it was noised that he was in the house. I remember years ago, probably like 2001 or 2002, all that rap stuff come on. Uh, does anybody like rap? <laughs> anyway, I remember preaching this me message years ago, and I said, Jesus is in the house. Remember when I said, he's in the house. Well, the Bible said it before anybody else ever had it. It was noised, King James Version, that Jesus was in the house. And I need to tell somebody today that I think that the problem with the church is, is that we, and, and listen, when I say church in general, I'm not talking about us. I'm talking about the, back, never mind. I'm just kidding. I'm talking about the method that's the Presbyterian. I'm talking about the God-fearing uh, uh, church, the body of Christ. Uh, and I believe what the problem is, uh, is we have gotten too used uh, to live without the presence of God uh, because we've done our programs. Uh, we got everything in order. And just like I said today, we're coming to church uh, almost to try to find a quota to see how many we can get in the building, uh, how much money we can raise, uh, what we can do, uh, when it ought to be uh, about serving Jesus. Uh, it ought to be about bringing sinners back to the altar. I don't know about you, but this revival is going to change the course of how the church thinks. No longer will we be on the outside trying to figure out how to run a business. Honey, but we'll be kingdom-minded. We'll get them to heaven. The Bible said we can pull them out of the flames. I don't know about you, but I believe the church is still too far away from the flames. We got to pull them out of the flames. Preacher, will you calm down? No, I won't. That's what's wrong with most of the church people today. Is we've lost our passion. That, 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 that stinking religious spirit has got into the church. And it has moved around and people are thinking, well, this and well, that. And, 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 and the church wants to come in and talk about, well, I'll tell you what God's going to do with those homosexuals. I'll tell you what God's going to do with that drunk. I'll tell you what God's going to do with that dope head. Let me tell you what God's going to do with a gossiping church in the long tongue. Come on, somebody. Let me tell you what God's going to deal with the religious spirit. It's easy to point our finger. Ah, it's easy to point our finger at everything else. But the Bible said, ah, the Bible said that God deals with the church first. Amen. 
Y'all ready for me? Second Samuel, I, I, I had this scripture up, but I'm not going to, I'm just going to, I'm just going to tell the story. Second Samuel, David takes over as king. Now he's been anointed since he was 14 years old. He was told you are the king. And he was told you are the king after he was pulled out of the field. Now listen to this story. Because when you go back and you research David, you understand that the Bible said he was red-headed, freckle-faced. There's not a Hebrew in the nation who has red hair. They're all brown-headed and brown eyes. He was blue-eyed, red-headed, and, and just like Russ's mom. Where's Everly? And the thing about David was when, when it was come time to pick a king. And Jesse knew that one of his boys was in line to be king. Now, first of all, you got to, yeah, listen, first of all, you got to ask yourself. Because, listen, this is not a democracy. This is a kingdom. We don't vote on who gets in and who gets out. And I think what happens is, is the church has forgotten that they're, my God, that they're kingdom. We want to vote on who's in. If we have revival, if we have a chicken fried dinner, come on, somebody. We want to vote on everything. And we get mad. We, we get mad because, well, you know, preacher said God's in control. Honey, he is in control. And the church has took to the democracy feeling. And we want to vote on it. And if they don't like it, we can't do it. Let me tell you something. If you don't like what I'm doing, you can go ahead and just get Hit the door and keep on going because I will stand with what God is doing all the time. And if I'm wrong, then my God will whoop me good. That's Oklahoma turn. Praise God. He'll whoop me good and I'll get back in line. I don't need somebody to tell me to stay in line. I fear my God too much to walk out of it and disappoint him. That was free. <clears throat> he's in the field and Jesse's lining all of his boys up Samuel shows up because God said I'm going to choose another king he's going to choose another king because Saul had disobeyed him not once not twice but three times and God looked around and he said I want obedience and he looks out and he tells Samuel he said there is a king in Jesse's house. I want you to go to Jesse's house and I want you to find me the king. Samuel shows up and he goes to Jesse's house. And so as he goes to Jesse's house, Jesse pulls all of his boys and sets them out in the front. Samuel gets up and he walks over to the first boy and he takes the horn, 1.5 gallons of oil. Listen, I know we're cute about it today in, in today's church, and we like to dab our finger with oil and anoint them on the head. But when they anointed you back in that day, they dumped the oil on you. It was not something you just went to church and, 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 and had a little shiny spot when you went through the McDonald's line. It's like, <laughs> whew. He forgot to wash the rest of his body, but that one's shining. 
It was, it was when you got anointed by God, everybody knew it. My God, you better hear me tonight. I'm sick and tired of the church coming and talking about I'm anointed. And Walmart don't know it. McDonald's don't know it. Your family don't know it. Come on, somebody. The backslider don't know it. The sinner don't know it. But when you get anointed by God, everybody ought to know it. He showed up with that horn. He poured that oil in there and he walked over and some said, well, you know what? Bull Samuel's just pretty smart. I mean, he walked up there and he said, Lord, is this one? And God said, no, that ain't one. He said, Lord, is this one? God said, no, that ain't one. But that ain't the way it happened. Because here's the thing. Here's the thing. The, the oil only flows when it's, when it's over the top of the anointed. And so, so he took the ram's horn and he put it over the first one. Come here, brother. Come here. You too. Come on. Whoo. Don't mess with me. Come on, Randy. Come here, brother. Yeah, yeah. He's like, woo. Yeah, you, yeah, come on. Don't come here, new, because I'll call you out. Come here, brother. Right here. Yeah, come on. Right here, too. Come on. Come on. Pass it over. Yeah, there, there you go. There you go. One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four, five, six. I need one more. Get up here, Polly. <laughs> Glory be to Jesus. Come on. You just sit down right here. <laughs> I know you ain't redheaded, but just act like you are. <laughs> so... Man, some of you two tall. I don't know why I can touch the top of your head. Okay. He takes that oil. He takes that horn. And he walks up and he lines them up. And they all stand there. Now, you got to understand. These men was all good looking. Some of y'all said that lion spit better get up out of here. <laughs> she said, you're cute, brother. Listen, he took that horn and he put it over the top of his head and when it didn't flow, he looked at it and he said, well, snap. <laughs> See, they preach it like, well, Samuel was just so close to God, and he was close to God because the Bible said when he come into town that the elders shook. Let me tell you something. When, when the anointing walks into the room and you're not where you ought to be, you ought to shake. So he walks up to the other one. He puts it over and nothing happens. You know? Sit down. He walks up to the third one. He walks up to the fourth one. Listen, don't get mad when you sit down, okay? Because I don't know you. You're new. <laughs> he, he takes the horn and puts it on. <laughs> 
Sit down. <laughs> he, he already knows me. <laughs> he takes and he puts it over the sixth one. Sit down. <laughs> I wish I had some water. He takes it over the seventh one. Sit down. Now, Samuel was smart enough to know that God had called him there. So he sits and he says, have you not got any more sons? Listen. I'm just going to break it down for you. Y'all ready? Say, tell us, preacher. The reason why David was redheaded, ooh, it's going to be like a soap opera in just a minute. It's because he went off to the other side and got another woman when nobody didn't know it. And she got pregnant when she gave birth. She dropped him off at his door and he's trying to hide his sins. So when a man of God shows up, he sends him to the field. Go tend the sheep. And God's looking and he's saying the thing that you called wrong, yes, yes, it might not have been wrong, but I need to tell you, I'm going to take the broken places of your life and I'm going to fix it. And I know some of you have walked in here today and you got stuff that's hidden in your closet and you got stuff you're dealing with, you got stuff you're thinking about, you got stuff that's going on in your life, you got a past you're running from. But God said all things work together for the good who love the Lord. And I need to tell you, hold your head up because God knows how to bless your mess and it might have been a mess but my God stand to your feet and give my God a crazy praise <laughs> hallelujah sit down he says I'm going to wait right here now listen they didn't have social media. They didn't have Facebook. They didn't have Instagram. They didn't have Twitter. They, 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 they didn't have email. They didn't have text. They have cell phones. He's waiting. And nobody knows where David is. But at the time while he's waiting, David's out in the field. Somebody hear me. He's out in the field. And out in the field is when he kills the bear and the lion. My God, you got to, I ain't even got time to preach this message today. Out in the field, he kills the bear and the lion. He's 14 years old. He ought to be playing with Hot Wheels or playing Atari or whatever that game is. Praise God. I'm old school. I like Atari. Praise God. He ought to be playing those kinds of games. But still yet, he's out in the field. He's playing the harp and he's writing songs. And he said, I ain't waiting on my turn. Ah, I'm not, ah, not going to sit here and wait on my turn. I'm going to serve my God and give my God praise with everything I got. <laughs> so they summon David. Jesse goes and hides. Here comes little David. Jesse walks over. He takes that horn. And he puts it over top of his head. And it just flows. 
He's going to sit down and he say, baby, I ain't coming back to church here again. <laughs> so 14 years old, he's been anointed king. How do you take another king and put another man in? Because when the king is in, it goes down to the bloodline. His son takes over. Or his grandson, it stays in. When there is a royal family, they've been there for 200, 300 years. It's been in the blood. It goes down the line. How do you place another man inside the kingdom? i tell you how. You want to know how? Find a nine-foot man and tell the little man, whoop him. Woo, that'll get everybody's attention. And so, and so God had Goliath lined up for David. He done called him, but he lined Goliath up for David, and he kills Goliath. And so now David is walking around being anointed king. And God said, you are anointed to be king over Israel. Even though he's king over Judah, God told him you're king over Israel. And when Saul had disobeyed God three times, God fired Saul and let him still work. The anointing was stripped from him. I need to tell somebody, don't you sit around and play games and act like God won't remove that anointing from your life. He'll take it from you and get to another. And don't you sit here and think, well, God won't do that. Honey, read it in the Bible. He ain't messing with you. You want to make God mad? You start playing religious games. You start playing, you buy God. You start playing those religious games. I'm sick and tired of the religious crowd. I want somebody who loves God, who worships God, who gives God everything they are. He said, I'm God. He said, I kill, I make alive, I wound, and I heal. <laughs> My God. He'll shake you up. He looked over at David now Saul's dead. We're going to fast forward. Saul's dead. And the very first thing in David's administration is to go back and get the presence, the ark of God that Saul had left because he couldn't feel the presence and he ran from it. So Saul let it sit over in somebody else's house. But you don't understand who David was. The Bible said he was a man after God's own heart and he knew he couldn't stray away from the presence. I'm here to tell somebody right now, if you live without the presence of God too long, you'll finally realize I can't do this on my own. And there's a lot of people who walked out from the presence. But honey, let me tell you something. The church needs to usher that back in again. We need to stand firm. We need to stand where we are and bring the presence of God back to our house. That ark. <clears throat> the only thing that was in the ark was the failures of Israel. It was the Ten Commandments that they had broke. It was the manna that they went away from, and it was the bud of Aaron, uh, Aaron bud of Aaron that, 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 that uh, 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 budded out in the season. So they put it in the ark, and every failure they had, God said, give it to me, I'll cover it up. And won't nobody ever see it. 
you just missed your opportunity to shout right there. He said, I'll put my divine presence all the way around it. So David's first mission in this brand new kingship is to go back and recover the ark. He's not going to wait another moment. He's not going to wait another time. He's not going to step back. He knows that he cannot do this without God. When the church realizes we cannot do this without God, when the church finally realizes we can't go on another year without a revival, when the church finally realizes I can't keep going to church and nobody in my family gets saved, when the church really realizes I can't keep spending hundreds of dollars to the doctor and standing in the prayer line and not get my healing, my God, I just stepped on your toes. But it's the truth because we've set and we played games and we played the religious games and God said enough is enough. If you want me come and get me but don't wait on your turn he goes and he gets the ark and the Bible says in 2 Samuel I believe chapter 6 it said he puts it on a brand new cart the Bible said that he put all the musicians out and they played the stringed instruments they had harps they had guitar players and drum players and piano players. And they was playing music and they was coming out with the ark. The Bible said they got on Nakin's dressing floor. And it went over and the Bible said that the ark began to shake. It was going to fall. And the Bible said Uzzah reached out to touch it and God killed him. That's what David said. What? It scared him to death. He left the ark. Listen, listen. it wasn't Uzzah's fault. It was was the very thing that God said, hang on just a minute. You can't bring my presence in uh, in a new way. Come on, somebody. I don't care how new the church gets and the new age move that's moving across this world today. He said, I am the same yesterday, today, and forever, and I change not. You ain't going to change the way you usher in the presence. It might be a new thing, but God says, I'm going to take this method, and it's going to be the same. Anytime you break it down, I don't care if it's 1980, 1990, or 2021. My method is my method. And you're not going to change the method on how I get here. David got so scared while they went over and argued about how to bring the Ark of the Covenant in. The Bible says that they left the Ark of the Covenant with Obed-Edom. Now, Obed-Edom is a Gittite, and he's not even in, 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 in any way, shape, or form in line for the blessing. He's a Gittite. Look at your neighbor and say, Gittite. Look at your other neighbor and say, Gittite. When you go in the restaurant today, just say, Gittite. They'll think you sneeze. He's a Gittite. Not even in line for the blessing of God. 
and they leave the Ark of the Covenant in his house. And the Bible said for three months, you are three months in, you are three months in, it's a season. I need to tell somebody that there is a season in your life. Nobody ever thought you was in line for it. Nobody ever thought you could ever have it. My God, I'm about to shout all over this place. Nobody ever thought you would even get there. But God said there is a season. Everybody else is going to walk off, but my presence is going to be with you. Feel like Ric Flair. Listen. <laughs> when David finally prayed, and God said, Here's my method. He said, You're not going to carry my presence in on a new cart. He said, The Ark of the Covenant is going to be carried in on the consecrated backs of men of God. Anytime the Ark of the Covenant was ever carried, it was because there was a priest who picked it up. And God said, I'm not just anybody. Listen, it's going to be the same way. I want consecrated, set-aside men who pick up my presence. And as you begin to move it across, I want that. You're not going to come in here with a new way. And the thing about it is, is when the Ark began to shake, and when the Ark began to move, God, listen, God was trying to kill the old method. See, there are some things in your life God's trying to kill. Somebody hear me. There are some things in your life God's trying to kill. And you keep trying to keep it alive. There are some things in your life that God is saying, hang on just a minute. We ain't going to go that route no more. I'm going to go ahead and kill this thing and get it over with. He was trying to kill the old method. But Uzziah was full of zeal. Hey, hadn't you ever heard zeal kills? What's wrong with the church today is we become zealous. Full of zeal. Well, we can do this thing. Praise God. When you see those Facebook ads, everybody just say, I love the preacher. I'm fixing to just get it right here. Praise God. Now, now let, anytime you see those Facebook ads and those men says, let me tell you how I grew my church. This is how I went from 250 people to 5,000 people. This, listen, that is a different method. You better click off that false prophet. You better walk away from it because the only one that can grow it is God. And God don't even need you. He said, if you don't praise me, I'll make the rocks cry out my name. I'll get my praise with you or without you and you better know that God's not got a new method he is the same preacher how'd you grow your church I stepped on the stage behind the pulpit I read my bible and I preached the unadulterated bloody gospel of Jesus Christ and I did not back down God's not coming in in a new method, in a new way. We're not going to sit up and tally and try to figure out, are we the biggest church in Pittsburgh? Honey, I don't need the biggest church in Pittsburgh. I just need God. When I moved to Pittsburgh 
and they told me, praise God, when I was in the Salvation Army building, I started in, I, I came to Pittsburgh, and nobody even knew I was coming. I didn't make an announcement. I didn't put it in the newspaper. I just showed up and said, can I rent this building? They said, what are you going to do? I said, God told me to come and start church. They said, okay. And one said, we got 35 churches in Pittsburgh. We don't need another one. I said, well, you ain't never seen one like this. Praise God. Because I'm not stitch. I'm not staunch. I'm not going to have a religious spirit. I won't ever dope head. I won't ever prostitute. I won't ever drug fiend. I won't ever homosexual. I want you to come in and meet my God. Yes. We started over with about eight people. God began to move. We finally found a building right behind here. Building. You see Social Security office. We found that building. We got in that building. And people started saying, have you heard about that new preacher? Man, he's on fire for God. Some said, well, what seminary did he go to? Oh, no. Then say, didn't meet me and I'd say, hey, what seminary did you go to? And I said, my den. <laughs> Your den? Your den? No, well, actually, my mother-in-law's den. Because <laughs> when I told God I was going to go full-time ministry, I lost my house. <laughs> you lost your house, yeah, and I lost my truck, too. <laughs> Woo, come on, somebody. Yeah. And that's what I did. I marched right in the middle of it. And I said, if God be for me, who can be against me? You go ahead. Ah! In that one year, I read my Bible three times. I kid you not. From Genesis to Revelation, I was stuck in it. If you're going to call me, I'm going to know it. But I want your presence. I want your power. I want your glory. I want your anointing. I'm not going to wait my turn. We had a little bitty building from that stage wall right there to right here was how deep that room was. Not from that piano, not even to that wall was it that wide. I found some church chairs for like $5 a piece in Kansas City. And the guy said, all I got is 88. And I said, I'll take them all. Somebody said, well, that's just 88. Don't you want 100? I said, eight means new beginning. So I'm going to do eight, eight twice. Give me 88. Give me 88. I walked in there. I got them chairs and they was blue. My wife said, you got blue chairs? I said, for $5 a piece, I got blue chairs, praise God. We're going to have some church. We put it up in there. Praise God. I kind of did the Yana thing on the building. Praise God. And people come in. We, we was 125 people wall to wall sitting like this over in that building. Somebody drove by this building and they said, hey, preacher, there's your building. I said, you lost your mind. Praise God. That ain't my building. What I'm trying to tell you right now is that when God calls you to it. Don't you sit and wait your turn. You do what God tells you to do. You step out with God and you step out with faith and you see what God's doing. 
that precious little old Catholic lady that had this building, she looked at me sitting in her front room. She said, how much money you got down? I said, I said, oh, you wanted money down. She said, you have no money down? I said, no. She goes, are you serious about buying this building? Me and her. I said, God told me to. You know what she said with tears in her eyes? She's been Catholic all her life. She's still Catholic, still loves God. She said, when I was 12 years old, she said, I should have died. And she said, they prayed over me. And God healed me. Hallelujah. And I come out of the hospital. And I didn't die. She said, here's what I'm going to tell you to do. You go home and you write me a vision statement of where you're going to be at in 10 years. I'm thinking, honey, I don't know where I'm going to be at next week. And on a vision statement, I got into this building with no money down. Listen. Don't you wait your turn. The enemy's going to attack you. He's going to tell you that it really, you're really not where you need to be. He's going to lie to you. And he's going to steal from you. I'm coming too close. Jesus coming to Jerusalem. <laughs> Pastor Anna, come piano, please. Jesus coming to Jerusalem. And the first place he went was to the temple. And the Bible said that the money changers was in the temple. Jesus said, this is supposed to be a house of prayer and you turn it into a den of thieves. Listen, he made him a whip. <laughs> I think he's about to wound somebody. Uh-oh. He said, for he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities, chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. But he walks into, into the house of God that the Pharisees has turned it in to making money. He's making him a whip. You're like, what's this cat doing? He's not even paying no mind. When he gets it done, he looks over one. One says, what are you doing? What? Ah! What's going on? And he runs them out. And he turns over the table. You know why he turns over the table? Because they're selling doves. You can't sell the Holy Ghost to nobody. You can't start a church. And say, send me your money and I'll send you some healing water. 
Oh, I know. You can't start a church up. You give me $5 and I'll give you a prayer call. And God's going, honey, shut your mouth. You cannot set up and sell the anointing of God. It is not yours to sell. And he turned over the money tables. And he turned over the tables that had the doves in them. Because the dove is a representation of the Holy Ghost. And he did not wait his turn. Some of y'all thinking, well, I'm just going to wait and see. Uh-uh. Get on your knees. Get Holy Ghost prayered up. And kick the doors down to the enemy. And don't you wait your turn. We need a revival. And I'm not going to wait my turn. I'm not going to wait my turn. Well, just hang on, preacher. Wait your turn. Ah, I ain't waiting my turn. God promised me this revival. I'm not going to sit back and wait my turn until it passes by. It's here. It's been here. I know it. I feel it. I sense it. I'm barging in. I'm running to the throne room of grace. I'm bowing down at the foot of Jesus. And I want mine. Want mine. I'm not gonna wait my turn. Every head bow. No looking around, please, just for a minute. Savior, I The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. What happens when a good man makes a bad step? He says, I kill, I make alive, I wound, and I heal. What's the problem with the church is we've been watching good men make bad steps and we don't know how to counsel them or bring them back in. Let me give you a good, a good little theology lesson right here. Just put your finger back in your pocket, shut your mouth and pray for them. Because the calling of God is bigger than anything that you could suggest what they would do. 
people are battling all over Pittsburgh. They're looking for truth. They're looking for freedom. And my God, they're not looking for another religious church. They want to know, will that church take me just like I am? Will that church take me even though I've messed it up 25 times? Let me just answer for you. Yes. God wants you. All over this building. If you're in this place this morning and you say, preacher, I do not know Jesus. This morning, I want to give my life to him. You say, I know of him. I know about him. I've been a part of church. But preacher, right now, I'm where I am today right now, and I don't know him. I'm not walking with him. I should be, but I haven't turned everything over to him. Preacher, I want to confess that he's my savior today. I want to walk away from the way that I've been living. I, I want to live a consecrated life. I, I want the presence of God to be on me. Just raise your hand in this place this morning. Preach, I want to give my life to Jesus. I see the hand. I see the hand. I see the hand. My God. Grab your neighbor by the hand. Grab your neighbor by the hand. <laughs> if you raise your hand, just squeeze your neighbor's hand. Say, hey. That was me. Come on, just squeeze her hand gently. Hey, that was me. That was me. Now on the count of three, neighbor, if you're holding the hand of somebody that raised their hand, I want you to get up and bring them right to the front right now. One, two, three. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. 